Welcome to The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here is your host, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. And I am extremely excited today, not only because I am with, without Sebastian, but I am with a special guest. Uh, I am here sitting together with Aaron Michael, someone who was on episode three, and um, I would say is probably one of our most downloaded and listened podcasts episodes that we have released. And uh, one of my goals and one of our objectives was to bring Aaron back to the podcast because I know she has this this deep desire to be one of the most featured guests on the show. But nevertheless, we did want to talk about sales and marketing and how this impacts the pharmacy businesses that you all deal with. And to all of our listeners out there that have listened to episode three many times, Aaron, welcome back to the podcast because this is going to be a continued conversation. So welcome back. Thanks, Mike. Always great to be here. Um, Thanks for having me back. And yes, it is my desire. We will be the most listened to podcast. I, I, I have no doubt whatsoever. One of my takeaways from episode three, having listened to it multiple times myself uh, and putting myself in the position of our audience, whether it was a f- technician, a pharmacist, a, an individual in the pharmacy that specialized in marketing and sales, there were a lot of important pearls and a lot of big takeaways from that podcast, but there was so much more that we probably had the opportunity to discuss. Thinking about our event that we launch every spring, which focuses on marketing and sales as a whole, um, and something that probably we haven't done a really great job at is really talking about the differences between sales and marketing and what the true definition of each one of those topics are. To pharmacists who are not classically trained in business and then have not had much exposure from learning a lot about launching a marketing plan or talking about the marketing mix and what that represents to their overall marketplace, we never really had the chance to describe the differences because I think in our world, it's been synonymous by using the word marketing for salespeople. And unfortunately, they're two completely different functions. For some of our listeners, they're probably completely aware of that. But when we talk about the compounding world and how we've always referred to the whole process, Unfortunately, they've been intermingled very, very often. So I think this is going to be a great opportunity for us to split the functions, talk about what each role would be responsible for, but most importantly, hearing from you firsthand. You know, my position is North American Sales Director, you're Director of Outside Sales. We should be the gurus in the sales process and and overall sales functions. We still have a lot to learn ourselves, and we hope that we can pass on a lot of this knowledge to our audience. But... Before we even kick things off, in your own words, Aaron, and, and this is obviously your perspective, let's talk about marketing versus sales and how you interpret the overall definition of each term. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is something, like you said, that ever since our members or compounders started putting people in place to really go educate the doctors, we have used that word, um, you know, sales and marketing, and kind of intertwined the functions of those. So I, I always uh, try and take a step back and remind people that they, they were truly are two separate functions. And do you need to employ two different people to do those? That's, you know, that's really, it depends on the person that you're interacting with and the talent that you have um, there in your pharmacy. So uh, just getting back to basics and, and talking about what is sales, what is marketing? And I I try to make it as clean and simple as possible. Marketing is really everything that you do that leads up to a conversation where you can close business. And so let's break that down a little bit. Uh, Marketing can include things like your social media presence, your web page, your collateral material, um, you know, your signage in the store, maybe campaigns that you have, all of that is something that leads up to a deeper conversation. It's really maybe triggering uh, your prospect's mindset to ask a question and dig a little bit deeper. The sales component and the most simplest, easiest way that I can explain that is really closing the sale or asking for the business. And, And I use a real estate agent as an example of that. Um, you never go look at a house 
And then the real estate agent at the end says, you know, if you're interested in this, go ahead and, and just give me a call sometime. They actually try to, in your mind, move you into that house. And so they, they tell you things as you're walking through the house or they're, they're planting seeds, you know, where would Johnny's bed look, um, you know, best in this corner of the room or where are you going to put the playground or, you know, they're moving you into that house and that's all part of the sales process. So there are different components within the process and there's a lot of different processes out there. There's formal sales training that will help you get to that, that yes answer. Um, but really, you know, to just make it as simple as possible, one is, is all of the things that lead up to the conversation and the sales component is actually asking for the sale and closing the business. So it's a, it's a very targeted question. It's a, it's an opportunity to have a conversation to ask your prospect about what's going on in their world. Um, ask them about what their challenges are. And then hopefully by the end of that conversation, you have the answers or the solutions to help them solve some of those challenges or what we call, at least in our world, the pharmacy world, the pain. Um, you're trying to fix that pain. So whatever their pain is, you have that solution. And that's what you present at the end with a final um, kind of closing of can we do business together? And that might be, you know, do you have a, a patient that you have in mind, Dr. Smith, that we could write this prescription for? Or are these challenges appropriate to you? And do you think some of the solutions that I have to offer would be appropriate? And how can we do business together? So again, very clean and simple. One is everything that leads up kind of the, I call it the fluff, the, you know, kind of the the graphic design kind of stuff, the presence, the what are you trying to create? And then the other one is actually having the conversation, finding out what the prospect's issues are, presenting solutions to those issues, and then asking for the business. That's the sales component. I think you completely described it extremely well in a limited amount of time without going into ex extreme detail, uh, very clear to the audience how this can be broken down in two ways. I guess my question is, being part of this market for as long, or not, not as long as you, Aaron, and your exposure to the amount of pharmacies that we've come across, where is there a gap? And, and where do we f see that either people will struggle and they'll face certain challenges, and where do we feel that they do need extra help and guidance? I, I probably see the biggest struggle... Uh, I two ways. Number one, um, with the owners, um, like you said earlier, they're not, this is not their forte, uh, managing salespeople. We are a, a different animal. <laughs> and so in a good way, but we think differently. We're very, we're motivated differently where a pharmacist is very clinical, taking care of the patient. Um, oftentimes, you know, some charity work can come into that, um, you might be, I don't want to say more kind hearted than a, a salesperson, but you think of things differently because there's always a patient at the end of that. And, and as a pharmacist, you take an oath as a pharmacist to take care of those patients in sales. We're very driven by results and we're driven by closing that sale. And so overcoming objections and, and, um, you know, getting down to the, the root of the matter and being able to solve that problem and ultimately, getting, you know, a prescription or getting the doctor to write for that and closing that sale is what, what drives us. So those are two totally different mindsets. So I think from the perspective of just how do I manage a salesperson? How do I relate to them? What training do they need? What support do they need? Um, you know, how much time do I give them as far as one-to-one -one meetings on a weekly basis? All of that is probably where I see um, your traditional business owner struggle. Where I see the salesperson struggle is um, really having a clear, defined role of where they need to go and what they need to do. And this all comes down to having a sales and marketing plan. What are our goals? What are we trying to achieve? Um, how are we going to get there? What are the tools that are needed? Um, and then the one thing that, that muddies all of that is exactly where we started this conversation with the difference between sales and marketing. And I think sometimes... Um, we get people in these positions that are great with the marketing component, 
but are fearful to go out and ask for the business. I, I cannot help but think about Steve Hoffert and Haley Calavo, who were featured uh, on a podcast maybe around 10 episodes ago. And it, it was such a great podcast to sit down with them, discuss their working relationship and how they have a plan in place. And they've executed pretty much everything as what appear to be as perfect, but it wasn't perfect for them either. And, and they shed some light on that when they were recording with us. But you know Steve and you know Haley very, very well. Um, if we can talk or review, not necessarily that podcast or what we had a chance to discuss, if you look at their relationship and what they've done extremely well, what are the main takeaways that we believe that everybody should have taken from that conversation? Because we honestly believe that they've, they've executed uh, at a very high level, that they have an amazing relationship, that they're able to persevere and push through the challenges that they have. But most importantly, what it boils down to and what people want is they want to grow their business. And I think this is the number one thing that we'll always hear. And I probably have said it in the past. How do I grow my business? Help me sell. Help me market. You know, those are that will probably be the number one concern or the number one question on independent community pharmacist minds for the rest of time. It's always going to be the biggest challenge. And we heard Steve and we heard Haley talk about it. But what about in your words, but specifically looking at them as a pharmacy and then some of the other success stories that we have in the country, where would you kind of point, point towards and, and what should everybody be aware of? Yeah, and, and they're a great example. And it's funny when I was just describing those pitfalls that I, I had them in the back of my mind as well as a couple other key relationships that I've seen be successful. Um, you heard me say pharmacist time. How, how much time do I give to that person? Uh, if I can give anybody the number one thing that a sales rep needs, it is the pharmacist time. It is you have to make sure that you're having regular one-to-one -one meetings with them, that we're not clinical specialists. We are not pharmacists. We don't know all of the things that are available and that can be done, which means we're going to get questions out in the field and we're going to have to have an opportunity to come back and talk to you, the owner, and see what direction you want to take that. So I thought you just hire a salesperson and business comes through the right, door. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, I wish it was that easy. as possible. Yes. I wish that was, it was that easy. And, and unfortunately, the sad part is I see people that still do that. And that's why we see high turnover. And that's why we see, you know, there's one person here today and in three months I call and that person's not there anymore. So it, you do, you know, I commend Steve and I commend some of our other members that, again, I think of, I can probably think of five relationships like that across the country that have been very successful. And that's because that owner has really um, made a commitment to that sales rep and, and gives them the time. So if I could say anything from a pharmacist perspective, they need your time, you need to give them their time. So that's going to be the biggest investment. And sometimes we know time is money and it's our value, most valuable resource. And so that is something if you're looking to hire someone or bring somebody on board that's going to go out and, and sell for you or be the face of your pharmacy, know that the biggest investment you're going to have to make, forget the monetary part, it's your time and you're going to have to give it to them. I, I cannot help but even stop myself in thinking and say, you know what, the audience obviously wants a knowledge bomb. And, and going back to the March Sales and Symposium event, that we had in Chicago in 2019. Um, I had the privilege of facilitating that event. Obviously, you were our keynote speaker as well as Kim Spears that focused on the whole topic of having an effective one-to-one. -one. So before even getting into the sales process or talking in detail about what the sales process should be by our definition, which is never right nor wrong, um, let's talk about effective one-to-ones and what that conversation would sound like because I think if an individual has hired a sales rep and they are still confused of what to do next and make, making them as successful as possible, what does an effective one-to-one -one sound like? Where could there be immediate direction to create a positive impact and at least get, get off kind of the ground running whereas you're, you don't feel that you're going to fail in this new endeavor of, of developing a sales person or a sales team, for example? Well, I think meetings have always been a challenge um, for for any of us. Uh, you know, another project or creation of an agenda or, you know, holding another meeting. Again, like I said, time is our most valuable resource. So how can we make the best use of that time? 
And I think having a standing agenda, I'll tell you from my perspective with my reps, um, you know, I have an every other week meeting with them. It's called a pulse meeting and it's a, it's a quick check-in. It's a, a three questions that are the same standing three questions every single time we have that meeting. And it's, uh, you know, where were you last week? Did anything come up from those, that, those visits? Um, any opportunities or any help you need from me? Uh, the next question is, what do you got going on next week? Again, any projects, any big things that you need help from me? And then um, the third thing is we talk about, you know, their relationship in regards to where they are to goal right now. And is there anything that I could be doing to support them to move the dial? So I think if you have standing agendas, number one, that helps. Everybody's prepared. Um, it keeps you focused and targeted. That's just a quick meeting that I have every other week. I think having something more on a regular basis in regards to big picture. So uh, every four to six weeks, I then have a more in-depth conversation with our basically our sales and marketing plan. So for each one of my reps, they have a, an individual territory plan. And we review that on a you know monthly basis. And this is more of a call that or a conversation that takes about an hour. And we really look at the techniques that they're doing, where they are to goal. Do we need to course correct anywhere? Are we achieving some of these goals? Are we focusing on the right target market? You know, that's your opportunity to really reflect, review, and course correct as needed. But I think keeping it simple, um, don't, don't think that this needs to be a burden or something, you know, that you create. Let your sales rep create the questions. Where are they going to need the most help from you? I mean, let them be responsible for the agenda as well. This is something that should benefit both parties. It shouldn't be another burden that you go, oh my gosh, I have my one-to-one -one meeting, you know, coming up and now I have to think about that. This is a keep your finger on the pulse. What's going on? How can you help them? Where do we need to uh, continue doing whatever's working? Mm -hmm. Where do we need to course correct if we need to? And how can we stay on focus and stay on plan? Yeah, that was pretty much what I was going to say next is, is at what point do you ask what's working well? and what could be better. Yeah. Um, and I think that is such an integral part to the Pulse meeting. The unfortunate part is that a lot of the times the manager, supervisor, the individual responsible for the sales rep have a hard time navigating through a lot of those challenges. So what, what works well should be the easiest, you know, focusing on where there are successes on that total pharmacy, uh, the total physician call, I should say. So when we think about the sales rep specifically in the field, um, speaking to podiatrists, speaking to pediatricians, speaking to dermatologists, you know, there's, there's going to be successes and pearls that might move the dial and analyzing that data at the pharmacy is a completely different task because having the ability to have your finger on the pulse of what is moving through the compounding pharmacy and noticing some of the trends that are working really, really well. And it's probably evident and it'll roll back to the sales rep to see where they're making an impact. But thinking about what's not working well and how do you course correct and how would you recommend that a pharmacist would course correct to hopefully see improvements and to help also with the guidance and overall coaching ability with the sales rep? Well, I think first you have to have a mindset that course correcting or what's not working is not a failure. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we can't think that just because something's not working, it makes us a bad person or, you know, it take, it's taken in a negative light. That's how we learn. And so I think starting out with that mindset, knowing that we can always learn and we can always get better is probably the best way to, to look at it. But, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So if you don't course correct, then how are you not being insane? Mm -hmm. And I, I think... If you go at it with an attitude of self-improvement, both people, um, you know, there has to be an accountability piece to that as well, though. So I don't want to say, you know, course correcting is not failure, but you have to have accountability with that. And, and what I mean is if, if the same person, even if you keep on course correcting and you're still not getting the results, then maybe we need to look at other things. So there's a county accountability piece that will help you kind of make sure that we're going in the right direction. I can't emphasize enough how much having that written um, path or the goals or the marketing plan, whatever you want to call it, how important that is. You have to be working towards something. There have to, your goals have to be written down. Every single person needs to understand where you're going, 
what are the tactics that you're going to be putting in place. But I think just starting with that, you know, by nature, we think, oh, well, something didn't work on the failure. That's just, that's just what sometimes, uh, you know, mankind is. But I think you just need to realize that there's a positive to that as well. And it's a teaching experience. And, and it could be, it's not working because of, you know, maybe the sales rep didn't get a question answered. And so they weren't able to go back to the practitioner in time and get the business. So it really gives you an opportunity to look within and say, what could we be doing better, you know, and, and how can we work better as a team and use it as that learning opportunity. I think if you go in with that mindset, it can only be a positive experience. All right. So goal setting, um, something that rolls off your tongue so easily. <laughs> and the assumption is that this, this can't be complicated. It's got to be a somewhat of an easy task from a pharmacy point of view, or even from a, a business point of view. We all know that individuals have goals. Sometimes they're not written down. Sometimes they're not clear. They're not realistic. They're not specific. They're not defined within a time constraint. So there, there's obviously so much to that. But thinking about a salesperson, if, if you were to hire a salesperson right now and they would be the first person you were to hire and you want to develop your business and you know that this individual is going to go out and speak to doctors all day long and that's going to be their primary job responsibility similar to what we shared with Haley and Steve. How do you define those goals? How do you keep it very easy? Even for those that are not experts in this domain, how would you describe that process and how would you make it as simple as possible so that it is clear and communicated concisely? And not only that, is that it's very easy to follow up with and to conduct those one-to-one meetings and to come back to the fact that you're both setting an equal playing field and defining the job as easy as possible? Great question. Uh, you know, I think that this can be a challenge. And again, because our, our pharmacists, this is not their their typical forte or what they're experts at. Uh, they get caught up in it has to be elaborate or it has to be complicated. And that's not true at all. I think there's two pieces um, that need to be laid out before we even start talking about what those goals are. The first one is get people involved. The more that someone is a part of creating goals, the more they're going to feel empowered and feel like they're a part of it and want to achieve it. So if they have come up with an idea, AKA the salesperson, if you're sitting down with them, you're the pharmacist, the owner, and you're sitting down with the salesperson and saying, you know, where do you want to grow? And what do you think is um, something that you want to achieve? I think that helps because now it's not something that's being dictated to them. Uh, keeping in mind that you want to make sure as the owner or the pharmacist in charge that you're getting your needs met or the business needs met as well, but letting them have some of the autonomy of creating some of those goals too. So I think it's a, it's a partnership. It's, um, you know, I wouldn't suggest just creating a wholesales and marketing plan and then handing it to the salesperson and saying, here, go execute this because they have no ownership in it. They have no, they haven't been a part of creating that. So I definitely think it's a team effort. The other thing is this isn't rocket science and it doesn't have to be so elaborate. The only thing that I would say in creating goals is make sure that they are smart goals. And so I'm sure most people on this podcast know what that is, but it's specific, measurable, attainable, um, realistic, and time sensitive. So anytime you're saying you're coming up with something that you want to achieve, you really have to reflect back and say, is this a smart goal? So when someone says, I want to grow my uh, compounds and that's my goal I want to do in 2020. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, and, and I see that At a lot. At least they gave a time constraint. They did. They did. So it is time sensitive. Right. So we have the T there. Um, not really specific, but they do want to grow their compounding. So that's specific to the business, okay? But where in the compounding do you want to grow? Is there a specific mm-hmm. market segment? Do you want to grow your BHRT? Do you want to grow your, you know, your LDN business? Like, what does that mean? Where in your compounding do you want to grow? Um, again, going back to that statement, I want to grow my compounding business in 2020. Is there anything in that statement that's measurable? No, there's not. 
So make sure I want to grow my compounding business. Okay, let's make it specific. Go back to S. I want to grow my HRT compounding business by 20%. So there's my measurable. Uh, is that realistic or attainable? I absolutely think it is. And so you have your A and your R right there. Mm -hmm. And then by 2020. So there's your time sensitive part of it. So now that statement of I want to grow my compounding business became a smart goal because now I want to grow my BHRT compounding business by 20% in 2020. Okay, that now becomes a smart goal. So I think keeping that in mind when you're deciding what you want to do and how you want to set those goals. So always be a smart goal, but it can be something, um, you know, like I just said, growing a specific market segment. It could be, I want to hold my first ever in-store seminar. You know, these don't have to be elaborate things. I also think the most cleanest and simplest way to break it down is look at where do I want to be in a year's worth of time and break that down into bite-sized pieces quarterly. So if I want to grow my HRT business by 20% by year end, then wouldn't it make sense if I grow it 5% quarter over quarter? Mm -hmm. So my Q1 goal would be growing my BHRT business by 5%. And Q2 would be another 5 and And you can see how that rolls up to being 20%. So, uh, you know, keeping it like that, looking at your big goals and then breaking down your quarterly goals into bite-sized pieces of that big achievement again, helps everybody keep focused and makes it very simple. I always tell people no more than three to five quarterly goals because more than that, it's really hard to, like you said, not only attain, but um, revisit and hold accountable as well. So mm -hmm. three to five goals per quarter. And then what's the big picture that we're trying to achieve at the end of the year? Yeah. I, from an easy definition, it's any individual will sit down and say, I want to grow by X amount um, in this area over X amount of time. So that's great. That's been defined. But then we think about tactics and tactical mm -hmm. objectives. So you want to grow your HRT business and you you now give that goal to a sales rep. Okay. And you say, go out and do it. Yep. Just grow the business. How? 20%. How? Where are you going? Yep. So then and now it becomes a who, what, who, what, where, when, and how. Correct. Uh, and, and I think that's where a lot of individuals get stuck as well. It's, that is also part of goal setting. So I, if I'm sitting down with a sales rep at that point that's brand new, doesn't have much knowledge in this field, I mean, they've been recently hired, they may have experience detailing doctors, but now which, which physicians will be visited, right. how many physicians will be visited, what is the conversation, what is the messaging points, um, and what is the assistance or what are the re resources required to even support that? Yeah. You know, I think that's where everybody wants to grow their hormone business. It's an easy answer. Uh, I would love to do more hormone scripts. Sure. How? Right. Um, and is that pharmacist even ready to manage the conversations with the physicians to be able to support the right. patient? And I think that's where I always get caught up as well. So if we think of some easier areas and not to discredit HRT by any means, um, let's talk about dermatology without making any specific claims or getting involved in, in specific formulations that might be impactful for the patient. It, it's a very, it's a highly specialized dosage form essentially, or a therapeutic class. And there might be a very similar conversation that can be emulated across every dermatologist conversation. So what would you do if uh, one of our members or salespeople that we knew were now engaged with dermatologists, describe to me what a plan would look like in place if you know you want to grow your dermatology business? Well, I think, first of all, um, you know, breaking it down in regards to, like you said, all of the tactics or the things that come into play, that's, it's funny, that's the crossover of the sales versus marketing because some of those those things that you're going to do to grow that business, that's where the marketing side comes in. You can, maybe you're going to have a, you know, an email blast, or maybe you're going to have a social media campaign or something like that. That's where those marketing efforts come in to support your sales efforts. And, and that's where I see that perfect marriage. Now, um, I think the first thing I'd tell a rep is we need to identify what we already know as a typical dermatologist pain. 
And we're going to, you can very easily find out what the common pain points are in certain specialties. Now for those pain points, that's when you craft your message based on the pharmacy's competitive advantage. What are some of the things that they do well? Um, do they have expertise? Do they have a pharmacist that's specifically trained? Do you have some competitive um, or proprietary bases, formulas, things like that, that you can provide to solve some of these pain points? But it's very easy and don't discredit um, some of the things that you can do online. And what I mean by that is research some of your doctors, you know, go out there and, and look at a practitioner's website and be able to identify uh, what their specialties are. And, and maybe you can walk in there with some knowledge before you even get to the gatekeeper or knowledge before you even get to the doctor. So again, when you walk in and the gatekeeper, if you go in with no knowledge, you say, I'm Aaron with XYZ Pharmacy. I'd love to talk to the doctor about what his problems are with patients. Okay, so that's going to be a typical sales rep. Somebody that's done their homework and somebody that has put some effort into it would now have a conversation of, you know, Nancy, it's so great to see you today. Um, I'd love to have just a couple minutes with either the doctor or the, the medical assistants and talk to him about some of the, the bleaching problems that I'm sure you're seeing every single day because now I've done some research and I've seen online that this dermatologist specializes in skin bleaching or specializes in some other, maybe a procedure or something that has to do with it. So already I've done my homework and I'm coming in talking to them about something that they can relate to because I know that that's a problem that they deal with every single day. So I think oftentimes, um, we go in with the, well, I just want to have a conversation about, you know, what your problems are, or what your challenges are. Well, that, that holds no value. And we already, we started this conversation, you know, the beginning of this podcast with time is the most valuable resource. And that is no different for a practitioner too. So you have to make the most use of his time with what you're given. So do your homework and be able to go in there knowing what their top pain points are and then be able to present that solution. How did we smoothly transition from goal setting to the office call? Which is great because I think that's where we wanted to go with this and give our listeners a bit more insight in terms of what those conversations will sound like. So I know a lot of your experience working with marketing and sales specialists um, at the pharmacy level and all the experience that you've brought to PCC on behalf of the Marketing Power Hour and uh, your exposure to this whole group of individuals at the Marketing and Sales Symposium a lot of the work that you've put in is helping them with that total office call. So you've already dropped um, a couple of pearls in terms of what that conversation would sound like and, and hitting some key points in terms of making sure that time is of the essence. You know, in a perfect world, you have hours to spend in certain offices and you obviously don't. You have a very limited amount of time. So how do you maximize the value in that visit? What are some of the tips and tricks that you would recommend to anybody who's doing detailing at the physician level? Well, it's, it's a tricky situation, and there's a lot of challenges and obstacles that uh, sales reps have up against them today. Uh, one of them being you have to buy lunch for my whole entire staff before you're ever going to get you know, into the office. That's not realistic. We don't have unlimited budgets, and not only that, you don't want to be viewed as the person that's going to buy your way into an office as well, so I don't recommend that. Um, I think keeping in mind that you need to bring value to every single conversation that you have. So if you keep that in mind, um, knowing that you do bring value, what we have and what we can do to help patients and help the practitioners help their patients, it really is that triad of us, the patient and the practitioner working together to solve a problem. So if you keep that in the back of your mind, and you're confident about the value that you have to bring and the options that you have to help patients, it's a really easy conversation. You need to differentiate yourself, first of all, that you're not a sales rep. And there's nothing wrong with working for Big Pharma. There's nothing wrong with the, the techniques or the tactics that they do. It's different. We're not working for a large corporation. We're working for an individual pharmacy that's creating individual medicines. That is something completely different than what Big Pharma does. So we need to differentiate ourselves. 
Um, I always say it starts with how you present yourself when you first walk in there. That's everywhere from where you park in the parking lot. You know, everybody has cameras now and uh, I, I can tell you that most of the time you're being watched in some way, shape or form. So be aware of that. When you pull into that parking lot, where are you parking? What are you doing while you're in your car? I mean, how are you preparing? How are you conducting yourself when you walk through that door? That first impression makes a big difference. Um, <clears throat> so starting with, you know, when you first pull in to when you walk through the door, what are you wearing? If you're in a three-piece suit and you look like a drug rep, you're probably going to be treated like a drug rep, you know? So I've heard everything from, you know, people wear their scrubs. If you feel comfortable, you know, doing that, people, um, you need to feel comfortable in your skin. So whether that's wearing a shirt that has your pharmacy logo on it, we've seen some people that if they are a pharmacist or a pharmacy technician, they feel comfortable wearing their lab coat. We don't see that as often anymore, but there are still some people that do it. Bottom line is you need to feel comfortable in whatever you're wearing. Um, and then really that opening conversation with the gatekeeper, she's the most important person in that office. She controls everything. And so treating her like a human being and not, not trying to get past her. Um, and what I mean by that is don't just blow her off just because she's the receptionist. She controls who gets back and who doesn't. And so sometimes starting off a relationship with her, she holds a lot of information as well. I say she, I'm using that as a metaphor. It could be he or she, but let's just say the gatekeeper holds a lot of information about that office. And so if you've done your homework and you're prepared and you know what some of the common pain points are, you know, why not start with having a conversation with her? And asking her, you know, I, I know that Dr. Smith is one of the best dermatologists in the area. Um, I'm sure that you're seeing some of these challenges with your bleaching creams oxidizing. Uh, what does that look like? And how can I have a better conversation about presenting some solutions to that? So I think starting off with her, we say this word, the total, total office call. It's all of the other people in the office that really have a pulse on what's going on and some of the options that are available too. So make sure you're talking with the medical assistants, the office managers, the nurses, the everybody in that, that office to let them know not only how you can help their patients, but guess what? They could potentially be one of your patients too. They might have a challenge that they're working through, whether that maybe they have a kid that, you know, Nancy comes to work today and unfortunately she's having a bad day because she can't get her own child to take the horrible tasting antibiotic that, you know, her child needs to take or uh, to take for the ear infection. So if she's now talking to you about what compounding is, you could potentially help her as a patient, which has nothing to do with that office. So we say that word, the total office call, and it's really taking care of everybody within that practitioner's office, knowing that they could either help you from the practitioner level, but also they're a potential patient too. And don't overlook that. Make sure you're giving them just as much as attention as you would um, the practitioner. And oftentimes, guys, these are the people that you can spend 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes talking to, where you're only going to get 30 seconds to talk to the practitioner. So don't overlook the ability that they have as well. Thanks, Erin. I think that's a, a, a really elegant way of describing the the ins and outs of the inner workings of a physician's office and and the impacts that individuals can make. I think the biggest issues that we'd probably see and that where most salespeople fail is they'll get to the gatekeeper, they'll leave a pamphlet or some leave behind with a business card, walk out the door, and then they're off to the next visit. Now, they might hit a metric, and they might visit 50 dermatologists in the entire city um, or for whatever it's worth in an entire county in the matter of three weeks and accomplish that goal. And going back to the original goal setting is, is thinking about volume and, and the tactical approach. Well, it's going to be very, very tough to go back to those offices to leave a lasting impression when all they really have is a leave behind. So I think it's really good advice because you've expanded on uh, not necessarily a, a, qu a quantity right. concern. It's you're really talking about the quality of the office call. Um, but I also put myself in the shoes of an owner who's now hired a salesperson. I keep on going back to this because I know it's a lot of our audience. They're either pharmacists, they're technicians, they're also marketers or sales individuals themselves. But a lot of the times, they're the people that listen in are the ones that 
that struggle with the growth of their business. And I, I would say that's predominantly 90% of compounding pharmacies in the country. Everybody wants to grow to a certain extent. Whether you've been doing this for five weeks, you've been doing it for five years, or you are willing to get involved in five months. So taking that into consideration, you know, I, I picked on dermatology because I, in my opinion, it's an easy one. We, you've already touched on hormone replacement therapy. What are some other areas that people can focus on, but not necessarily the specifics or dosage forms or formulations? Just think about the overall concept of how people should kind of analyze what's coming through their doors being very cognizant and aware of the compounds that they currently have within their marketplace, how do they build on it? Where do they go next? Do they even bother focusing on five or six different disease states? Do they just do maybe one to two things really, really well before expanding in it? Or do they take a more of advanced model and just really try to call on everybody possible? Well, I think you said it, and it's um, do we focus on what we do well? And I think this all starts with doing a SWOT analysis, and this is really uh, a great objective way. What's a SWOT analysis, Erin? Remember, pharmacists did not go to business school. That is true. That is true. Um, so a SWOT analysis is an objective way to look at your business and an objective way to look at things and make sure, you know, what is it? What are our strengths? The S. What are our weaknesses? W. What are the opportunities that lie in front of us and what are the threats? And it, by laying all of that out there, you look at not only yourself, but maybe your, your one or two biggest competitors um, and identify what you think their strengths are, or what you think their weaknesses, opportunities, and threats are too. This gives you a great way to, and you've heard me say it multiple times, competitive advantage, identifying what that competitive advantage is. So I think by first you need to do that to decide if you can even grow into other markets. And do you need to be everything to everybody? I don't think we can afford to be everything to everybody anymore. I think we need to be able to focus and tap into what we do really, really well, our strengths, and maximize that. So leading into your next question of how do I grow my business and what's the fastest way? Well, the fastest way to grow your business is to grow the people that already believe in you and grow with the people that are already using you. So analyze your data. Do some data mining. Make sure that you understand who are your top writers. What are they writing for? What are some things, other specialty areas or other options um, that maybe they're missing the boat on? You know, I go to a lot of practitioner shows and we're very fortunate in today's day and age, a lot different than 1996 when I first started doing this, because when I have a conversation with a doctor now, the question is not, have you heard about compounding? The question is, what compounds are you writing for your patients? And that's a shift over, you know, 20 some years. It used to be I had to do all kinds of education on even explaining what compounding is. Now I have to do education on these are some other things that you could be writing for. And that's no different than what you should be doing. So starting with your practitioners that already believe in you, that you already have relationships with, but within the scope of what they're writing for, what are some new, innovative, um, you know, state-of-the-art kind of things that you could be introducing to them and keep on going back into them and introducing a new idea to them every single time you see them. So that's the most cleanest, simplest, easy way to grow your business. In regards to specialty areas, I absolutely think that there's some innovation and in technology um, that's out there now for dermatologists that, you know, I mentioned bleaching creams. There's some things out there right now that can decrease um, oxidation and you don't have to keep things refrigerated. Uh, when you're talking about some specific bleaching creams, that that's a, a huge competitive advantage. And so I think derms right now, there's some great opportunity. Um, I think overall GPs uh, will never be out of the, the scope of our practice because there's just so many different options. And I would definitely say dosage forms would be something to talk to just your GPs about. Um, let them know some of the changes or how you can change a dosage form or change something that maybe they're already using in the commercially available world, if they're having issues with that. Um, drug shortages are always an opportunity for us, so um, keep up on what's going on in the drug shortage world. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things that are just really uh, easy to work on. I will say the vet market is, is tough, but going in, that's, that's not to say that you can't win business there and that it's not easy business, but... Um, 
in the vet world, you'll probably end up being a secondary provider, but that's good because it gets your foot in the door and it keeps you kind of top of mind for the vets mm -hmm. too. So don't overlook what's available in the vet world and being a secondary provider. But I still go back to just that easiest way to grow your practices is work with those people that you already have relationships with, you know, um, get them to be interested in the new things that you have to offer or introduce a new formula to them or a new option to them and continue to grow with them that way. And then, uh, you know, I'll leave you with the power of the referral. Um, if you have some great relationships with practitioners or even patients, uh, you know, don't be afraid to ask them, Dr. Smith, I know that we've been able to help so more of your patients. Is there a colleague that you think would benefit from this as well? So, you know, that might be another podcast, Mike, the power of the referral and what you can do with that because, you know, people listen to their colleagues and that, and that goes to why do we even have social media? Social media is creating a community, you know, and, and looking at it that way, you're much more apt to utilize someone that your colleague or that your friend has told you about, whether it's a business or a service or something. So the power of that referral is, is really something that you don't want to forget and you don't want to overlook. So always be asking your practitioners that you're working with, is there a colleague that you think might benefit from some of our services as well? Tons of takeaways. I think that was awesome. I appreciate the fact that, in my opinion, it, not only is this going to be our last podcast of 2019 because of the timing of its release, but it almost felt like a year in review because it, it did touch on so many of the podcasts that we've already done. I talked about Stephen Haley. Um, Deborah Clark did the veterinary yep. uh, podcast. We, we talked to Daniel, and he spoke about some of the bases where that in itself is a competitive advantage to Absolutely. a lot of compounders. So there's just so much um, that we reviewed. It's obviously a lot of content. I don't think there's – this is kind of like a master class. In a very short amount of time, there's no perfect way. And there's, I think the most important thing for our audience to know is there's no perfect formula. You know, you, you go back to Stephen Haley. Yeah, they have a great relationship. Yes, they're successful. Yes, they've grown their business. Is there something that they can emulate and do it all over again? Probably not. You, you, there really is no secret sauce. You can try to do everything right from goal setting, from defining a tactical approach to having a very good relationship with your rep, with having the ability to know what to communicate, to having a brand image like we discussed with Peter Koshland, to developing an amazing customer experience. All of that is part of being a successful business. There, and will you do it perfectly? Probably not. If you do it better than you normally did, then you've improved. And I think the only takeaway that I have and something I would love to leave with the audience, I've already mentioned it a couple times today, was the presence at the marketing and sales symposium. It's not only for individuals that specialize in marketing or in sales. It's also for the pharmacist and the potential member of PCCA or the owner of the community pharmacy that or someone who manages the pharmacy, for example, that could come to this event, hear you speak for th two and a half days and be exposed to other amazing speakers as well. Uh, it's an event that has been going on for years and years and that you're a big part of the overall planning and execution of. And I think it's really something that people should be attending more often. I don't know what your, your message is to the audience there, but it's, it's something that, tr that has such a tremendous amount of value and this podcast, along with episode three, there's really some insight into what that event sounds like. Yeah, I mean, obviously that that is our once a year annual kind of coming home, you know, where it's it's great to be around other like minded people. But like you said, it's not just it's not just the sales reps that are there. It's it's anybody that wants to be able to grow their practice and and sales doesn't necessarily always have to be leaving the store, too. So like you said, it could be the pharmacy manager. It could be, um, you know, a customer service specialist, whatever. You can grow your pharmacy within your own pharmacy, too. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely appropriate for all people. Um, it's really excited this year because it's going to be in Houston. We haven't brought it back to the mothership in a long time. So that gives us so many different additional resources that sometimes we have to forego when we take it on the road. But to have it actually here in Houston gives me the ability to pull on so much more additional talent too. So I'm really excited this year to bring some 
some topics to the agenda that we haven't been able to do in years past or revisit some topics that we haven't been able to do. So um, excited for that one. It is earlier this year. Uh, it's at the end of March and it is here in Houston. So if it is something that, you know, as you are, are moving forward into 2020 and all of you guys should be in your goal setting stage right now for 2020, it's a great thing to put into your budget and get it on the calendar. Uh, we'd love to have you here in Houston. Uh, it will be as exciting as it it always is, but like I said, with some added flair of being here at the mothership. Yeah, I, I cannot echo that sentiment enough. And and having having taken part in that event, um, seeing the value that it brings to to any individual within the pharmacy, and I I personally believe that just listening to this podcast, I think people will hopefully see some type of improvement if they are implementing any of those goals in 2020. I, I think it's timely that it is the last podcast of the year uh, because we did a whole podcast last year on, on um, New Year's resolutions and sometimes growing your business is a New Year's resolution. It is, definitely. So, so it doesn't have to be only for personal development. And, you know, we always pick on pharmacists that they don't have business training, but no one ever went to sales school either. No, they didn't. So I, I think that's something that everyone needs to be aware of is despite, you know, the roles that you and I have, uh, being recognized as leaders for very large teams, no one ever really, we didn't spend any formal training no, on this for years no. and, and, and leave with a degree in sales. No. So it's something that's a, it's a constant work in progress. It's always an opportunity for self-improvement and obviously for the improvement of your team. So I, th I th thank you, thank you, Aaron, for doing all this. Absolutely, yeah, it's my pleasure. And and uh, you know, if we can be of any help, we're always here for you. Definitely. And to all of our listeners out there, as mentioned, this is the last podcast of 2019. We definitely wish you a very happy holidays to yourselves, your loved ones, and your pharmacy staffs. Thank you for tuning in throughout the year. You've made this podcast an incredible success without the the audience who have tuned in from, from episode to episode every two weeks. Uh, you make it a pleasure to do this. So thank you so much for tuning in. As always, a reminder to please like us and to leave a review on iTunes or on Stitcher if possible. Uh, it definitely helps us out in our pharmacy rankings and to follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram and Facebook if possible. Um, to all of you, once again, happy holidays. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Mike Delisio, and I'll talk to you soon.